Hi everybody, hope you had a great week, and if you had challenges, I know whether you believed it or not, or whether you recognized it or not, the Lord was with you to help you overcome those. And I want to share with you today, um, there's, a, there's, an, there's a word called erva, it's spelled E-R-V-A-H, and you can find that in the Hebrew Concordance number 6172, again I include that so you can check the references, I don't want you to just take my word for things, you know. Um, and it means nakedness, and that's how it's translated, nakedness. It also has, of course, as the meaning would be bare or indecent, as you might imagine, shameful, right? And it even means an undefended part or parts, okay? Uh, the, 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 the passage that we're going to focus on is Exodus 20 verses 23 through 26, but the specific verse is verse 26, and it's sufficient to end it there. Lord, please give us understanding, give us wisdom, if we have faith to receive it, because your word says in the book of James that if we ask for wisdom and believe it, we will receive it in full measure. And I pray that your word and your spirit, and your word that does not go forth void, and says it will accomplish that which you send it out to do, will not only give me the information and the, not the information, but the knowledge and the wisdom and the ability to live it out, but also all my friends who are hearing this message, believe it or no. So thank you for selecting this passage and this meaning and this truth that you want to teach to us. Help it to be applicable in our lives in a way that will lead us to salvation or enrich are already saved lives. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we're going to read from Exodus 20, verses 22 through 26. And they say this, And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, which means cut or smoothed out or carved or dressed in a special way. You should not build it of hewn stones, because if you wield your tool upon it, you will profane it. That's how holy I am. And this is the verse we want to settle that we want to we want to focus in on. God says, and you shall not go up by steps to my altar. In other words, you will not build steps to it as you might normally do or that you did to your false gods, your false idols. You shall not build steps and you shall not go up by steps to my altar so that your nakedness be not exposed on it. Now my question was when I was studying is, what is this nakedness that the Lord is referring to specifically? Is it physical? After all, he's talking about not building steps. So yes, but is that all? Is that really the issue? Is that what he is concerned with? 
Okay, Irva, as we talked about before, it means bare and indecent and shameful and an undefined part. So why did Almighty God say to Adam in Genesis 3.11, you remember this, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? You see, it was exactly the fact that they did sin by disobeying the Lord that caused them to become aware of their nakedness to begin with. And they felt shame, the Bible says. Adam and Eve were created physically naked, and God says nothing about the fact that their, na that their nakedness was negative in that particular part of Scripture. Okay? Yet it was their sin that again caused them to be aware of their nakedness and feel shame. Had they not disobeyed, they would have still been naked, but there would have been no awareness of it, nor would there, any, nor would there have been any shame or indecency associated with it. Sorry, I can't talk today. So it was not the physical nakedness that was so much the problem as it was their spiritual nakedness. But as God showed me briefly in a dream recently, we're becoming too casual about our sin and too okay with it. We explain it away or we rationalize it or we justify it that it's okay what we're doing rather than saying, hey, let's be teachable. Let's be humble. This is the word of the Lord we're talking about. God doesn't make mistakes. So we've got to be willing to listen and hear and then obey it. And if we're not aligned with it, we need to move ourselves and align ourselves under God and the authority of his word, not any other kind of way. There's no other shifting or sliding back and forth. God is immovable. God is perfect. He doesn't need to change, nor does his word that goes forth from his mouth. So if there's a misunderstanding or we're trying to justify something or God's speaking to us about it or convicting us about it or telling us there's nakedness in our lives, we're the ones that got to shift to the left or the right and be under God's authority. Now, the people of this world are hardly concerned with immodesty, amen, or carnal nakedness at all. How much less do they care about spiritual nakedness? Or are they even aware of it? Like if they're not bothered or they don't know how to blush in embarrassment over what they can see, how are they going to be humbled and convicted and repent over what they can't see? There is so much sin to be forgiven and cleansed in the life of just one person, let alone the sins of the entire world. And we're talking past, present, and future. Yet this is exactly what Jesus Christ, Lord of heaven and earth, did for you and did for me on the cross, on Calvary, that one horrible, gruesome, and dark day 20 and 20, 2021 years ago. Does your sin trouble you? Or are you casual about it or even apathetic about it? I mean, be honest. It's the tremendous self-sacrificing, redemptive, powerful, agape love of the Father who devised the rescue plan for us. It was the love of Jesus to willingly and obediently submit 
to that plan to see that it was carried out. And it was the power and the love of the Holy Spirit to anoint him and give him the grace to see it through. And he can do the same for us. Hebrews 4, chapter 13, reveals to us, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The Almighty God spoke directly to you and me through the prophet Jeremiah also in chapter 16 and verse 15. And he says this, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They didn't even know how to blush over what they've done, but they did. Okay, there's a very telling truth repeated word for word in the book of Judges several times, not just once. One of which I'll mention, and we don't need to go to the others because they're word for word. In chapter 21 in the book of Judges, verse 25, it says, everyone did what was right, quote unquote, okay, I'm being sarcastic. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This means they did whatever they wanted to do with no appetite or concern for righteousness whatsoever. The very thing we need to cover our nakedness is righteousness, and that comes only from God, only from Jesus. Romans chapter 1, verse 30, rightly characterizes us as inventors of evil. That's pretty bad. Not only do we do evil, but we invent new ways of doing evil. Verse 32 says that though they knew God's righteous decrees and do things we know we are not supposed to do, we not only do them, but we give approval to those that practice them too. We are full of nakedness, brothers and sisters, and we don't care often or at all. We don't know how to blush over it, the word says. We either create false gods of our own liking and we build altars to them so to speak or we approach the one true god and we walk against his command up the stairs leading to the altar with our nakedness exposed and it doesn't even bother us at all we are bare we are indecent we are exposed and we don't even realize it do we not have a conscience are our consciences seared? Okay, and what does that even mean? Okay, the word seared, as it's used in the Bible, is the Greek word cauterizo. And it's where we get our modern word cauterize. Now, when I was a child, let's say 12, 13, 14 years old, right around that time, maybe even a little younger, I used to get frequent nosebleeds in the summer, whenever, whenever it was hot, especially, I mean, we lived in New Jersey, it got very hot there, but also when it got um, humid, it was worse, and it was uncontrollable, and I didn't know when it was coming on, okay, and to, pin, to put an end to this, because it was frequent, the doctor used a hot probe to close off and numb and seal, or brand, if you will, my nerve endings. This left them an effect dead and unable to feel the impulses or do what they were made to do within a well-functioning God-given body. Now, if our consciences have been seared, they have become desensitized. Through the observance 
and even the practice of sin. To the moral and ethical impulses our minds and hearts are alerting us to and warning us of. Our consciences, so to speak. Okay, They get seared. That means God, is, through His Holy Spirit, has convicted us of our sin and spoken to us about it. But we've either rationalized it or justified it or just blown it off or whatever and continued to do it. That after a while, we just didn't even hear it anymore. Our, our, we got, our, our consciences were seared. They were cut off. They didn't feel anything anymore. They didn't hear anything anymore. They were desensitized to our sin. And so we continued to walk in it. And God's saying, you're naked and you don't even realize it. In John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, the Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples concerning his going back to be with the Father. He consoles them by telling them that when he goes, don't feel bad, he will send the Holy Spirit to help them. In verse 8, he informs us that the Holy Spirit will quote-unquote convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And we don't like feeling convicted, right? Because it's the Father's mechanism by which we become aware of our guilt and our nakedness. Okay, like Adam. We don't want to be naked. And worse than that, we don't even want to feel guilty over what we've done. So we don't like feeling convicted. But it's the method by which God exposes our nakedness, not to judge us and that, because he's merciful. He can judge us if, and he will if we get seared by all this, desensitized, and don't turn and repent by all this. But God uses guilt and conviction so that we can acknowledge it and then stop walking in those ways and turn to him. That's what conviction is about. It's not condemnation. That's what the devil uses to point fingers at us and make us feel like, for lack of a better word, crap, okay? To make us feel guilty and condemned, God makes us feel guilty, but gives us a chance to turn so he can forgive us if that's what we want and lead us to everlasting life. Now, when we're naked, especially spiritually naked before Almighty God, we should, as a reflex, react like Adam did in the garden soon after he disobeyed and suddenly felt ashamed at his nakedness. Genesis 3, tells, 3 7 tells us, Then the eyes of both him and his wife were naked, were opened, excuse me, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths to cover their nakedness. Now Adam, if you remember, a few, verse, a few verses later said that the reason that he was responding that way, in other words, hiding from God, it says, I was afraid because it was naked. Why was he afraid? Because he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. Okay, who was he afraid of? Again, Almighty God, our maker and our creator, our judge. It was earlier that we said to him that, that we said it is to him we've got to give an account, right? God is just and righteous, but he's also merciful. Verse 21 says. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So he covered them for their nakedness. He covered over their nakedness. Okay, which means he made provision for their shame and for their being bare and indecent and ashamed and naked. And he will do the same for us if we let him, if we are committed to it, if we turn around and stay the course, not go back. Now, in our present day and age, 
The Father says through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, if you look it up, some very alarming words to us that apply to us today still. He says, Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Now this is serious, folks. Okay? Almighty God is... He's telling us not only are we naked, but we got to be aware of it. Okay? We gotta, we're got to we naked. We're unashamed. We don't blush. And per perhaps we even have seared consciences from blowing off the conviction from the Holy Spirit, like I mentioned a little while ago. But we see and call evil good and good evil. That means everything is just the opposite of the way it should be. And we perceive it just the opposite of the should be the way it should be, or we are we are uh, affirming and, and, and being good, okay with the evil that we're calling good and the good that we're calling evil we're not okay with, things like, okay? It's, it's just upside down. And this sometimes, sometimes this affects those who call themselves Christians and even are in the church. Jesus gave the Apostle John a startling revelation to some of us in the last book of the Bible, chapter 3, verses 15 through 19. Now pay close attention, okay? Don't think this only applies to other people. Like David did in the book of Psalms, he asked the Lord, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know what my thoughts are and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And he will, because he loves us. Jesus spoke through John. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. I will spit you out of my mouth because you're neither one. For you say, I'm rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and have white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Now the Holy Spirit convicts us so we may become aware, though we should already be aware, unless our consciences are seared, like we mentioned before, we should be aware of our nakedness. But if not, he will convict us so that we can become aware of our nakedness. And instead of continuing to be indecent and exposed and bare and shameful, we can respond to our guilt by repenting. And that means turning away from our sin and our nakedness and turning to the clothing that God provided Adam and provides for us, the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of our sins, the white garments he sees us in instead of our sinfully stained garments. Jesus provides all these things. Okay. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me, he said.
okay, life, death, and resurrection was purchased by Jesus, okay, they're redemptive clothing for us. Any other way, and we will always be naked, whether we think so, whether we perceive it, whether we realize it or not, any other way but Jesus, we will remain in our nakedness and in our sin. Remember, we said earlier in Hebrews, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed. It's one thing to be naked and be hiding somewhere, but God says we're naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, King David, he recognized and he acknowledged this nakedness that comes to us even before we're born. In Psalm 51.5, which is the very chapter that God used to save my soul for a year, he was with me in this, okay? He saved my soul from nakedness forever. And believe me, I was naked, and I didn't realize it. David said, in iniquity, or in sin, did my mother conceive me. And before that, he said, I was brought forth in sin. So David says, you know what? I am very aware of my sin now that I know you, Lord Jesus. I'm not naked anymore, okay? I'm not unaware of my sin or what sin I had. I have a relationship with you now, and I've been cleansed. So he said, behold, I was born into sin. So even before I ever did anything right or wrong after I was brought out of the womb, he said, I was born into sin. And he said, even before that, I was even conceived in sin. Why is that? Because my mother was probably a sinful at one point, too. It's an inherited disease, but we can get rid of it through Almighty Jesus. Okay? This, means there was, this means there was never a time in my life, or in David's life, or your life, even now, that I was not marred or blemished by sin and naked before my Maker. And the same can be said for all of us. Okay? Even Job. You remember Job? Even Job was convicted of this. Even he recognized this. Though he was talking physically in this particular scripture, the Bible speaks of him as being a righteous man. Okay? And so he certainly understood the eternal and spiritual side of this. Okay? He says in chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Now, he realized he was talking about specifically in this portion of scripture, he was saying, I came in with nothing, I'm going out of here with nothing. But what he really meant also was quite aware of because he used to pray for the sins of his sons and daughters. He said, naked, spiritually naked, sinful, I came from my mother's womb. Okay, so he too was recognizing, like David, he began life as a sinful, naked person in that state before gone and just as almighty god covered adam's sin and covered eve's and his nakedness with the skins of animals the animals had to die for god to take the skin off of us so that we would no longer be exposed okay get that okay he's also made a way for us for our nakedness to be covered by the blood of jesus not animals his son himself without him we stand guilty and naked with him surrendered to him taking his righteousness the white clothing that he wants to give us while he took our sins 
We can be covered, set free, be cleansed, and be forgiven. Excellent. Excellent. We don't have to be naked forever. So when you realize you're naked, yeah, it's a shameful thing, but instead of running from it, admit that you're naked and acknowledge it. Turn away from the things that made you naked and the things that can clothe you. And that's Jesus Christ. Do you want to remain naked and exposed and guilty and die eternally? No, who would? Or do you want to be clothed and covered, made innocent and live eternally? The choice is yours, but mercy has a time limit, okay? Patience runs out. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Do not remain in your nakedness anymore. Please, why would you do it? Why? Please, if you didn't realize you were naked, I'm telling you and God is telling us, you are. But you can do something about it. Not on your own. You can make a choice. You can make a small action. But Jesus was the one that died to take your sins from you. And you have to apply that to your life. And there's there's a commitment involved. You have to walk away from your nakedness. You have to walk to him. You have to give up your old life that made you naked. And that will keep you naked. And you've got to turn to him. And it can't be just a, a feeling. It can't be just an emotion. It can't be something you want to play around or, or dab with, dabble with or, 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 or anything. It's got to be a commitment. You've got to walk away from your sins. Okay? God said in his, in his word that it's not enough to confess it, although that's good. But whoever confesses and forsakes or abandons or permanently turns away from his sin will find mercy. So nakedness brings you ju judgment, and rightly so. But turning away from it, committedly, devotedly, not half-heartedly, and forsaking it, not just confessing it, not just copping to it, okay? But, but, because God already knows. But turning away from it. Have you ever had somebody that, that, that does something you don't like and they say sorry about it all the time? It's nice to hear that they're sorry, but if they keep doing it, it's obvious they're not really too serious about their sorrowfulness over it, okay? So you'd probably say to them, that's nice that you're saying sorry, but prove to me you're sorry by not doing it anymore. And that's what God is saying. Confessing it's okay, but show me you're serious about it by abandoning it, by forsaking it, by repenting, by turning from that way and going, uh, turning away f from the life that was 180 degrees in rebellion against me and turn 180 degrees back towards me and let me wipe it clean. Okay? May God's Spirit convict you, brothers and sisters. Please, this is eternal in its life or death and it's extremely important. And I hope this time when you're, when you're convicted that you do blush because that means you're not seared. You're feeling something. Respond to it. Amen. No more nakedness. God bless you.